about things your parents didn't know and couldn't tell you about sex. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, when people hear about sex in church, you know, they feel a little bit edgy. <laughs> but the Bible says the house of God should be the ground and pillar of truth. Some people even feel it is wrong to talk about sex in church. Like of all things, when souls are perishing in the house of the Lord, <laughs> on a Sunday morning, and you talk about the harvest of souls in Kabul. <laughs> How to win the lost in Sambisa Forest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The lost have been getting lost. And they will keep getting lost. <laughs> right? Because like Jesus said, some people have chosen to be sons of perdition. Right? No matter what you say, some people will never be saved. Because God has given everyone, right, the capacity to choose our eternal destination. Alright? So in Genesis 1 and verse 31... If you can, I want you to open your Bible there. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. The Bible says, Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God saw everything that he made and indeed it was good. And I believe you know that part of what God created, right, was sex. So if the Bible says that God saw everything he had made and he realized or he came to that point where he said it was good, then it simply means sex is good. Praise God. I'm going to debunk a lot of myth, mindsets and beliefs this morning. And I'm also going to be talking about, you know, um, basically um, two things, the myth, the mindsets, you know, and philosophies about sex and also how to, you know, um, undo, as it were, you know, sexual temptations. I, I won't be able to really go into that because that's, you know, a topic on its own. Can even talk, you know, for a whole month on just handling that. But the question I want to ask us this morning is this. If you can really think and remember, I want to ask you this morning, where did you first learn about sex? Where? You see, because where you learn about something determines what you believe about that thing. And for many people, um, where they learn about sex is not um, from the home, it's not from the church. In fact, many learn it from friends. <laughs> Many learned it from TV, you know, and growing up, a lot of people, you know, my colleagues learned it from TV, you know, saw um, the concept of sex first on TV. And now I imagine <laughs> what the generation, right, the current generation, what they are learning. Because when we were growing up, the highest demonstration of sex in most movies, you know, when they're about to do the acts. There's a transition and they go to the next thing. Now, most movies, um, they even say that in producing, if you don't put uh, sex appeal in it, it will not sell. Now, that's a belief. That's a mindset which is really not true. But it's very important to try to, you know, think back about when you first learned about sex and where you learned about it. Is it from magazines? Is it from movie? 
Is it from the internet? The unfortunate thing is many people did not learn about sex from the creator of sex itself. And let me tell you this. I still don't understand why a lot of people see the Bible as a religious book. Because it is not. The Bible is God's manual for everyone that will accept you know, the Christian faith, the person of Jesus, right, as their Lord and Savior. So, it's a manual. It's a manual for living. You'll be amazed at how many things the Bible says about sex. You will be amazed. You will be amazed. You know, when people think about, you know, <laughs> about sex, they just assume that, you know, God is a killjoy. You know, preachers are killjoys. They don't want us to have fun. They don't want us to enjoy our lives. But you see, one thing that informs my own teaching when it comes to relationship, marriage, and everything in between is scriptures and science. Scriptures and science. When I say science, we're talking about statistics. We're talking about, you know, empirical validation. That is research. Things that, you know, uh, uh, um, as um, people have discovered over time, they've studied and they've realized that they've been able to differentiate between the facts and the fiction, between the myth and the truth. And I want us to understand something this morning because I might be saying some things that might not go down well with some of us. But please, I want you to understand that this discourse is not, you know, from a place of condemnation. It's from a place of enlightenment. Right? So we need to have that basic understanding, you know, this morning. That the purpose of this discourse is, not, is actually freedom. Because many have been held hostage in their minds. As a result of the sex myths and lies that they have believed over the years. Research has found that not only is that sex is better in marriage. But also it is best that you have it only with one sexual partner in your lifetime. And I'm going to be giving us some you know, statistics this morning. One of the things research has discovered is physical and emotional satisfaction starts to decline. When people add more than one sexual partner. A study at the University of South Carolina in the United States revealed that students who engaged in premarital sex reported that they were more likely to be involved in extramarital affairs once they get married. So if the Bible is saying everything God made is good, we also need to understand that sex is also good. But the unfortunate thing, like everything the church has left to the devil, the devil ends up hijacking it and perverting it. You know, there was a time, and I believe believers are coming to that realization and enlightenment, that place of enlightenment. Even though a lot of people in our own nation have still not come to that place of enlightenment. There was a time in this country that they believed that politics was a dirty game. Even till now, some people still believe that. Still believe that. You know, that as a believer, you cannot be a serious Christian and be thinking politics, you know, separate from the world. Be separate. You know, they even have scriptures, you know, to, to uh, um, enforce, as it were, the lies and the myth. But when you study the scriptures, you realize that a lot of the people in Bible, in the Bible, were actually politicians. You look at Joseph. What do you think Joseph was? A prime minister is a politician. Joseph was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He never prophesied to anyone. He was a politician. You look at Daniel. Daniel was a politician for crying out loud. You know, so sometimes the church has believed things without questioning it. 
And you see, that's why in this house, we place a lot of emphasis on you knowing God for yourself. One of the things David told the son Solomon before he took his last breath was that he told him, he said, know the God of your fathers. Don't know my God, know God for yourself. Don't believe the things I told you about God. It is imperative that you come to the point of knowing this God by yourself. By yourself. So many of us will believe things, right? A lot of lies. A lot of things that are not true. A lot of myth. Simply because we don't go into God's word for ourselves. As a matter of fact, one of the things we're going to be doing, you know, in the, month, in the year 2022, is that as a church, we are going to be having a devotional. Because I'm getting to realize a lot of us, we are getting to that point where we think we are so spiritual, we don't need quiet time. In fact, it seems as if the more spiritual people get, or the longer, because that's not real spirituality anyway, the longer people have been in church, right, the, the, the lesser they spend time with God. You can focus on the work of God and not know the God of the work. It's very possible. Somebody said that it's so sad. He said that the higher you rise, right, in church leadership, the lesser you get to know God. It's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. There are preachers that might go through a week without talking to God. But yes, Sunday morning, they will talk to the people about God. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Some people, it's one hour to service. So what can we even talk about? Spirit move. No, how will he move that way? He can't move. He can't move. It has only a fluke. Praise the Lord. So you need to realize that the source of your knowledge matters a lot. It's source, the source of your knowledge, it matters a lot. Entertainment, fashion, some of these areas, we have left it to the world. We have left it, left it to the devil and the devil is hijacked it. If you don't believe it, just look at what people wear to parties nowadays. Just look at it. Just look at it. Go to the average wedding reception and you will know the devil has truly taken over the fashion industry. Has truly taken over. Because even those who claim to be in fashion industry, they are mediocre in it. With the only ghost on the inside, you make a shirt. One hand is longer than the other. The treading is not straight. It's like the way to Ibadan, zigzag. You are wondering, is this a new style? No, it's the hair of the tailor. You know, and you say, our people are not buying. Why would they buy? The spirit of God is the spirit of excellence. The Bible says concerning Daniel that in him was found an excellent spirit. They tried to look for error in his work and they could not find it. So they said the only way we can catch this guy is in the law of his God. It's in the law of his God. Unfortunately, many of us, even in the church, we have been influenced by that influence, demonic influence of the devil in the fashion industry. You think you are being woke, but no, you are falling for the devil's agenda without knowing. You think you are being woke, but you are really not being woke. <laughs> you can look good without being seductive. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And same thing, you look at the movie industry. The church left it. Say, well, I've been watching film, watching film. No, read your Bible. Read your Bible. <laughs> so we left it. So it is almost impossible now for you to watch a blockbuster without you having the LGBT movement, right, being sold to you, either overtly or subtly. Do you understand? Because the church has left it. Did we see the second short film that was released yesterday, those of us on community group? Let's celebrate expressions. You know, like I told us, we are going into that field. We are going into that field and we are not creating Christian films because there is nothing like Christian film. Film is film with an agenda. You don't go to the hospital and say, I'm looking for a Christian doctor. Doctor is doctor. 
Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So please understand it. Anything you leave to the devil, it will hijack it, right? And it will pervert it. And that has happened with sex. And there is a reason the devil has gone after sex. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. There are actually 12 things I want to talk about, but I'm definitely sure I won't be able to get to 12 because I want to answer some questions this morning. So I'd encourage you, if you have questions, it doesn't even have to be about the topic we're talking about this morning. I believe the Royal Guards, we have some paper they can slip into your hands. Please write it down. If you want to hack to the mic, that is fine when we get to that. Did you know that according to research, they say 50% of secondary school students will have sex before graduation? 50%? 50%? So when you are in the average secondary school setting, when you look to your right or to your left, one of the students is going to have sex before graduation. It says 78% in Africa, in the United States, 78% of African American will have sex before graduating from high school. Now I want you to notice that, did you notice the statistics didn't say 100%? So it simply means even though most are doing it, everyone is not doing it. The devil's deception is to make people believe that what is everybody is doing it is normal. No, everybody is not doing it. Everybody is not. Everybody is not. Even if everybody is doing it, your name is not every and your surname is not body. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So your name is not everybody. According to one of the leading married counselors, most of the leading married counselors, they say that most couples divorce because of four major reasons. Number one, sexual problems. Number two, disagreement on how to use leisure time. Number three, finances. Number four, they say psychological maladjustment. But this morning, we want to focus on the first one, which is sex. Human beings are born sexual. That's why when you give birth to a child, even though <laughs> if the church does not do something, it's only going to get worse. Now they are saying, say, when you give birth to a child, the first thing they ask you, what's the sex, boy or girl? Right? But now they are saying, you cannot even say it is a boy or girl. Because when the child is old enough, the child will now tell us if it's boy or girl. You can see that problem has started. And the reason now, we are all seeing that and we just say, ah, these people, they have problem, oh, they have problem, oh, keep saying that. Until the day will come when your children or children's children will sue you for saying that they were a boy or a girl without waiting for them to give you permission. It's only a matter of time. There was an interview, right, uh, that trended um, last week, I don't know if some of us saw it, about a woman, which I believe is already losing her mind, that said that you should ask for a baby's permission before changing the diaper. That the baby can give you, you know, the body language, you know. It really does. You see, you can say this woman, she's off. She's not in her right senses. But wait till 10, 20, 50 people of her rise up in places of influence and make it a policy. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. You know, in scripture, in Bible times, if someone had sex before marriage, the man will bring her out and they will stone her to death. That was because, you see, and you see, it's not because God was so evil and God is so wicked. He doesn't want people to have fun. You will see the reasons why God gave strict rules about sex this morning. And that's why he said there are things that your parents did not know. And so if they don't know it, they can't tell you. If they don't know it, they can't tell you. So it's not that we're just trying to create a title. It's actually the truth. You see, you need to realize that for the most part, religion has done more harm than good when it comes to the subject of sex. Religion has done more harm than good. I remember some years ago, you know, true life story. I heard about the story of a guy, you know, I think it was in the papers, 
you know, who gave his life to Christ. You know, all this religious, you know, guy, I don't want to mention the denomination. And he said that, Jesus said that if your eye is causing you to sin, you should pluck it out. He said, you know, so he realized that he kept thinking about women. And anytime he thinks lustfully about women, right, that he would have erection. So he slides his penis. He said, because he doesn't want his penis to take him to hell. Are you uncomfortable? He's a reproductive organ. Didn't you hear it in school? In biology class. Praise God. So he slides it off. Thankfully, his neighbors rush him to the hospital. I don't know the end of the story. You know, that was, the story was around that in the papers. Because of how we had been taught. You know, for a very long time, you know, until I got to the point where I was able to differentiate between my left and my right, I believed, you know, I, you know, that's my sound funny to you, but that was what I believed. That for couples to get pregnant, it was prayers that they prayed. No, going a deeper life setting. You know, you, how can you know? You don't even see us band and wife folding each other. This, we are married. We can't hold hands because what the data you say they are believing. You see, some of the statements we use, they are believing God. So when you say you are believing God, you are saying the responsibility is on God. We never believed that it was sex that made women to get pregnant. It was they are believing God. So they are not believing God enough. That's why. Do you understand? As simple as that is. So, you see, we need to understand that sex education needs to start from the home. If we don't teach our children, which many of us are falling victim of, if we don't teach our children about sex, they will learn from it somewhere else. You see, the moment children know they are left from their right and they start getting inquisitive, they should be taught about sex as age appropriate. So, for instance, if a boy, you know, which is, you know, what I've heard before, a boy walks up to the father and says, Daddy, why is mommy's chest bigger than your own? What should they, you know, a right enlightened father should say? Oh, because maybe mommy is different from daddy. You know what the man said? A stupid boy. I said, well, at your age. So, you have told the boy, you, you've already created something in that boy's mind. Right, that he can't talk to you about something like that, so he will learn it from somewhere else, and where he learns it from is what he will believe, and he will never come to you again, he will never come back. Praise the Lord! So, please realize this everything God created, He created it with laws. There is nothing God created that He didn't give us laws that govern the operation of those things. And you see, the purpose of laws, right, is he, uh, uh, which are also called boundaries, is not to take the fun out of it. For instance, it's like saying, no, why did they put guardrails on Todd Mellon Bridge? It's taking the fun out of driving. Drive over the guardrails. You can, you see, it's a free world. You know, the guardrails are there not to restrict you, but to protect you. So when you say biblical laws, you know, and God's standard about sex, it's not because he's trying to, you know, take away your joy. It's not because he's trying to take away the excitement. It's because he's trying to protect you. I'm trying to lay a very strong foundation so I can just move very fast on the things I want to talk about, focus on this morning. So please realize this, get this once and for all. God is not against sex. It's only against the violation of boundaries. For instance, God gave the children, uh, 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 um, the first man and woman, he gave them the whole garden. But he put a tree there and he said, I'm reserving this for myself. It's the principle of consecration and separation. The principle of the tithe. So tithing this starts with money. Tithing simply starts with you understanding that there is something that belongs to God that you don't touch. So God told them, you see, I've given you everything. 
but don't touch this. It's the same thing with sex. I've given you everything, but don't touch this until the appropriate time. I'm not saying don't have it. I'm not saying don't do it, but until the time that is appropriate. And it's for your own protection. It's not to take the phone out. It's for your protection. Dr. Miles Monroe was reputed to have said, people want sex without love, love without marriage, and marriage without responsibilities. Please understand that sex can express love, right? But sex does not give love. It can express it, but it is not love. That's why for those of us that are single, especially ladies, when the guy says, you know, if you love me, you will do it. At least we are planning to get married now. Let me tell you this. Even if it is 24 hours to the wedding, anything can change. I've seen people walk away, not seen. I've heard of people who walk the way at the altar. So what is the, what is the first thing your parents didn't know and couldn't tell you about sex? Number one, is that God is not against you having sex. It's not against you having it. It's just like you, a, a son, walking up to the father who has, you know, resources, financial resources. And the son says, Dad, I want a Range Rover as a birthday gift. But the son is 12. And the father says, no. Is it because the father does not like the son? Of course not. But that is not the right time to drive that type of car. The father has it. But it is not the best time. You see, what is the meaning of abuse? Abuse simply means abnormal use. That's the meaning of an abuse. So anything done out of this appropriate timing is an abuse. So when sex is engaged in outside of God's timing, outside of God's purpose, right? It is an abuse. It is an abuse. Any sex that is outside the preordained purpose, right? And timing is an abuse of sex. The insanity of our society and generation is that everyone believes that cheating in marriage is very wrong. How many of us believe it's okay to cheat in marriage? If you believe, raise up your hand. Nobody believes it is okay to cheat in marriage. But the same people that believe it is not right to cheat in marriage, those same people believe there is nothing wrong in having premarital sex. But it's the same thing. Now, Every fornicator, which is sex outside marriage, we don't hear those words anymore. Because now everybody has their own truth. God's standard is still God's standard. Don't get it twisted. God does not change. There is nothing for him to change into. What he said back then is what he's still saying. Am I making sense this morning? So every fornicator is simply an adulterer in training. It's as simple as that. If you're ready, see, it's a lifestyle, it's a habit. If you see, when you walk to the altar and you say, I do, it doesn't change who you are. It only amplifies it. So if you've been indisciplined in the practice of sex, right, before you got married, there is a higher likelihood, except certain things are changed, there is a higher likelihood you will still engage in it in marriage. There's a higher likelihood. And we need to realize that. You see, the question is, how will someone that is already addicted to sex how will, because you just said I do, or because you had an event in a day, how will you just change that? It doesn't work like that. You say, oh, you know, because now I'm married, I'm committed. That commitment will only last for a while. Because it's already a lifestyle. It's already a lifestyle. Genesis, um, Galatians 5 and verse 19, the Bible says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. So you see God classifying adultery, which is sex, in marriage with someone else that is not your partner. You see him classifying adultery 
fornication, uncleanness. You see him classifying these things together. He classified it together. He didn't separate them. Right? So you cannot say, oh, you know, you know, it's not right. How can you cheat in marriage? And now say it is okay to have sex before marriage. You are, you are contradicting yourself. It simply means you don't even know what you're saying. Because they are the same thing. It's the same. It's one and the same. It's one and the same. You see, one thing you need to realize is this. Sex outside marriage will do certain things to you. Number one, it will get you to the point where, if you'll be honest with yourself, if you're a believer, right, <clears throat> truly say that you have the Holy Ghost on your inside. If you do it outside the confines of marriage, you'll get angry with yourself. You can even, there's even this feeling of disappointment. Like, why did I do this? You can enjoy the pleasure while you're doing it, but there's this feeling of guilt. There's this feeling of shame. There's this feeling of, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, feeling less valuable that comes with it when it is done outside of God's ordained purpose. The second thing we need to realize or know about sex is that it creates oneness. It creates oneness. It creates oneness. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, and the two shall become one. Couples are not joined through ceremonies. Please understand this. People are not joined through ceremonies. They are joined through sex. <laughs> Ceremony is simply like an approval or the gathering of witnesses that all these people, they are now free to do whatever they want to do in the confines of marriage. But ceremony... <laughs> It's not where the oneness begins. That's what the Bible says. And the two shall become one. And there are very, you see, there is nothing that actually makes a couple one like sex. You see, it is not just the joining of bodies. It's the joining of spirits. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. I think let's have it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. That's why even legally, a sexless marriage can be annulled legally. Did you know that? Because as far as the law is concerned, it has not been consummated. So you are not married. Because the real joining, the real oneness begins with sex. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 16, the Bible says, What? Know ye not that he which is joined to another is one body. For two, says he, shall become one flesh. Look at what he says. He says, What? No, you know, it means, are you serious that you don't know? Like, really? You really do not know? Like, you know, that's actually, you know, what it means in the, you know, in Greek terms. You know, like, you can't be serious that you don't know this. Like, these are basic things you need to understand. That you really don't know that when you join yourself to an halot, it's not just about a physical lack. It's a spiritual joining. You mean you don't know? Now, you can say, oh, the Bible is talking about halot there. An halot is not a robot. It's a human being. So it simply means when you have sex with someone, what is simply happening is you are joining yourself to them without knowing. I love the way the message translation puts it from 1 Corinthians 6 verse 16 to verse 20. He says there is more to sex. Please listen to this. Media does not have the message, uh, the message translation, so please listen to this. He says there is more to sex than mere skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as much as it is a physical fact. As written in scriptures, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. Did you see that? So when you engage in sex outside, you say, oh, because I'm lonely, you know, he said, uh, you know, if you love, love me, you know, you do it. It actually leaves you more lonely. 
He said the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that we are made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or did you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not just some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Let people see God in and through your body. Our bodies, you know, there's this mindset, you know, that, you know, the uh, Western community is trying to force down our throat. You know, one of our leaders sent uh, um, um, a video to me. You know, you know, Ghana is trying to pass a bill now, you know, making it illegal. And a guy from CNN was interviewing one of the members of parliament. And I, lo- I know, I just said, God, can we have more leaders like this in Nigeria? And the guy just said it point black on CNN. He said, why are you trying to force American values down our throat? This is Ghana. This is not America. He said, are you trying to say blah, blah, blah? The guy was giving him article in article this one. I said, wow. Awesome. Awesome. People who are not afraid. You know, I won't be surprised if that guy is a Christian. I don't know, but I won't be surprised that he's a Christian. A well-taught Christian. A well-taught one. So please realize, the Bible is telling us, it is not just the heart. There is a spiritual process going on. Mm. That's what the Bible says in Genesis 2, 24 to 25. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one. One flesh. And the Bible says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So in marriage, you become spiritual. Um, you become spiritually one during two occasions. Number one, in the presence of witnesses. That's spiritually in the presence of witnesses. When you come together, you say, "Oh, you know, today I blah 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 blah. You know, um, decide to take you blah 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 to become you know whatever you know all the wedding vows and marriage vows as it were. You know, so you become one at that point. Then number two, you become one through sex. You become one through sex. So what happens, you know, is when people engage in premarital sex and they think it is just a physical act, especially when you have multiple partners, what happens is that there is a part of you, you see, and I'm still going to come to this medically because these things are even, it has been proven. That there is a part of you that lives with everyone you sleep with. And the only way that thing can be stopped is when you get God involved through spiritual intervention. If you are just living your life, nobody say, no, it has just said, no, it's in the past. It is not in your past. You are only joking to think it is in your past. It is not. Because a joining has taken place. A joining has taken place. So even when you end the relationship, <laughs> there is still a part of you. So imagine, you know, someone gave this illustration which I believe is very, very, very practical. You know, so it's like the man, let's assume that the man, right, before getting married, or maybe even in marriage, has slept with 10 women. 
and the women, the woman has slept with maybe 15 or 20 or vice versa. So when they come together in marriage, it's not just the man and the woman having sex. It is the 10 and the 20 having sex. And I'm going to prove that to you. I hope I'll be able to get there this morning. So if people, that's why I said this thing, even many of our parents didn't know. They just said, don't do it. Don't. Why? Ah, It's more than pregnancy. It's more than that. That's why oftentimes a lot of people get married and from the first year of marriage, they start dealing with things. They think it's just psychological, emotional. Thing, you know. That's why they say all those nonsense. You know, within the first six months, one year of marriage, there's always crisis. Why should there be crisis? Why? It's because there's a lot of baggage the man is bringing that he just thinks, you know, these things are just psycho and psychological things. There are things the woman is bringing and they did not deal with it. That's why there is a denomination in this country. They will tell you before you get married, man and wife, you must go for deliverance. They know what they are saying. Because they can't be asking you, have you had sex? You can say, we, we haven't. You know, so you, they believe you can lie. So whether you've had it or not, go for deliverance. And some people just, you know, deride and say, oh, deliverance. No, this is deliverance. Stay there. They know what they are saying. So a oneness is created. And scientific research states that your brain, now this is science, it says your brain will forever react to the presence, image, and sound of someone you had sex with. That's why um, uh, uh, when people get married, right, and they did not properly, you know, severe the soul ties they had with someone they dated, they can say 30 years time. They are now married. Have children. In fact, their children might have gotten married. They are now grandparents. But if they did not deal with it, they can come together and still have sex 30 years later. Because you thought, oh, the relationship would have been there. Maybe, oh, you didn't get married. You know, everybody when they are separate with. But spiritually, there is a tie. Soul ties are created through sex. That's one of the reasons God reserved it for marriage. Because it creates a spiritual, emotional, and mental tie. To you and your partner. You know, I remember there was a time, you know, um, should I even say that? I'll leave it for some other time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, let me just say, you know, you know, a lot of people have issues with um, the fact that once you are no longer in a relationship, they won't tell you, ah, you don't have anything to do together. They know what they are saying. You know, for those of us who have attended a lot of romance academy, you know, they always tell us that there was a relationship I was in for four years and the relationship didn't work out. So I remember there was a time like three, four, um, three years ago, some of my friends that were on campus, you know, they just realized that I and that person were still friends. Say, ah, pastor, no, 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 no. What kind of nonsense is that? Why will you still be friends? I know, ah, no, don't try that nonsense. Oh, anything can happen. I said, Is it what did not happen in four years that will happen now that I'm married? You know why they were saying that, and they are correct because they know the exes they had when they come together again, it always happens. It always happens, but something that did not happen in four years now that I'm married to a beautiful woman <laughs> and I get what I want. Is it then that we now say, ah, no, it can't happen. But you see, if it has happened before, there is a likelihood it will happen again. We are still very good friends. 
In fact, the husband is a very... Why did you see? I'm very close to the husband. Why? Because the husband knew that nothing happened between me and the wife. How did he know? What if you like? Because he married the wife as a virgin. So the guy trusts me so much. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that's why many, some of us, the relationships, relationships, see, there were relationships we have been in that did not lead to marriage. And according to God's plan and agenda, let me tell you, some of those people should be, still be in your life. But you can't keep those relationships because it has been messed up through sex. And rightfully so. Wisely so. You don't keep that kind of relationship close, especially if you have not dealt with it. If you've not dealt with it. I don't want to go into details of how close we are, but you see, we are, we are family friends. Why is that able to happen? Because things were done rightly. If somebody here was, no tie was created. So when we went our separate place, uh, 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 separate ways, we truly went our separate ways. So let me tell you, when God is saying, you know, sex is for marriage, blah, 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 he knows what he's saying. You know, the, the, the person, in, uh, uh, the person in, uh, uh, that I'm referring to, what the husband is saying, during the COVID thing, you know, as a church that we could not get so many things done, the husband works in a bank. He's the husband that was able, that helped us to get a lot of things done as a church. Because he works in the bank that we use. It's one of the reasons why as a church we don't have any, you see, I can't remember the last, I, I, I can count how many times I've walked into the bank this year. Because when you just say, ah, Pastor, what are you doing on the queue? Come, 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 come. In fact, everybody on that, ah, no, he's like, that's my pastor. You can't keep him waiting. You think if I slept with his wife before he went, he will avoid me. He <laughs> will just avoid his way. In fact, he can even put an embargo on the church account. Will not be, <laughs> you understand, like, as, a, as a payback. <laughs> you see, let me tell you this. Don't use bold face. Only God can break the connection and the effect of illicit sex. Only God can. Only God can. The third thing you need to realize is that your sex life will determine your destiny. Your sex life will determine your destiny. There is no sexual encounter that leaves your life and destiny the same. You see, if many of our parents knew these things and they taught us growing up, you see, many of us actually feared sex. But, ah, you know, it's not about fearing it. It's about having the proper understanding. Why is God saying this? Why shouldn't I do this? I like, you know, I like to have understanding. Don't just tell me not to do something. Why? I need to know, not just, ah, so that you know, you know, uh, if, you, if, you, if you give someone Belena, your education is over. You're not going to school again. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. Your sex life determines your destiny. There is no, see, there is no such thing as one night stand. It can be a one night sex. But the effect is, will last for all time. It will last for all time. Proverbs 6 and verse 26. The Bible says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced. And let me tell you, when the Bible says a harlot, it's not really talking about maybe a sex worker. Sometimes it refers to, you know, women that are available for sex outside marriage. It says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Sex outside marriage always leads to reduction. That's just the truth. It always leads to reduction. Something will always leave you. 
That's why the queen mother advised her son in Proverbs 31 and verse 3. He said, give not your strength unto women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. No, I'll give your strength to women. Or your ways to that which destroys kings. Why? Because this sex thing, you see, the Bible says he has made us kings and priests. And we shall reign with him. But sex is, he has the ability of bringing down a great destiny. How do I know? A classic example is Amnon. Amnon, Solomon was never meant to be king of Israel. Study your Bible. Amnon was the first son of David. Amnon was supposed to be king after David. You know how we lost it? Through sex. Oh, he began a trip for his sister. And the sister said, no problem. If you love me, just tell her dad. You are the head to the throne. Nothing can be withheld from you. You are the crown prince. You are more or less like the king. Nobody can say no to you. Just tell our father. He will hand me over to you. But I said, no. What is it? <laughs> Rape that. And afterwards, the Bible says that the hatred he had for her was greater than the love he felt for her. Sent her out. And the brother, Absalom, kept quiet for two years. Stupid Amnon thought Absalom had forgotten. So Absalom organized a party. Actually, it was not a party. It was an assassination. But Amnon didn't know. So he invited every other prince, all the king's son. The purpose of that party was just to kill that man. And when they killed him, everybody fled. The whole thing scattered. But you know where that problem started from? It was not even with Absalom. It was with David. Study the Bible. The problem started in the life of David and his family the day he slept with Bathsheba. You already have your own wife. You saw a woman taking a bath. Oh, you saw accidentally the first time. That's not a sin. But the second look is where the problem begins. Say, get out for me. I'm the king. Nobody can say no. We know you are the king. Nobody can say no to you, but what you're about to engage in can destroy your life. Destroy. You see, it was the sex he had with, um, with Bathsheba uh, that gave birth to Solomon. That Solomon was the one that now had 800 wives. Whatever you don't deal with in your life will amplify in the life of your children. Write that down and never forget it. How about just say, I'm just having a nice time, having a nice time. You better deal with it now. Hmm. All the wisdom that Solomon had, everything was wiped out in his generation. Such that when he gave birth to his own son, Rehoboam, Rehoboam lost in one day what took his father and grandfather 80 years to build, the effect of illicit sex. So it's just more than... It's just, see, sex, your sexual practice affects your life and destiny. Whether you believe it or not. There's a guy, you might want to Google this guy because it's actually true. A former American baseball player, Wilt Chamberlain. In fact, if you Google that name, it will just come out. Slept with 20,000 women in his lifetime. At the age of 55. By the time he was 55, he had slept with 20,000 women. He said the guy liked three sums. Oh, we are trying to calculate it. <laughs> when I first saw that was what I... So he started having sex at the age of 15. So he literally had sex every day. Every day. Of course, he died of heart failure. You can't die a normal death that way. You can't. And before he died, you know what he said? He said he would have traded the 20,000 women for just one woman. 
That was what he wrote before he died. Google it, it's online. That's why I tell you, I speak from science and I speak from scripture. 20,000. How can you be normal? You can never be normal. You have, we would have carried some good spirit or good spirits, you know. Many of, hmm. Different spirits. It's so unfortunate. I grew up, you know, my young days singing, I believe I can fly. One of us loved R. Kelly. He's been convicted because he could not manage his sexual life. Most likely, his verdict, final verdict is in May next year. He might most likely be given life imprisonment. Most likely. You grew up watching Sesame Street. Look at what happened to Bill Cosby. Your sex life will determine your death. No matter how high you have risen, if you don't manage your sexuality, it will bring you down. These are things we should have been told growing up. Now, ah, if a man touches you like this, you just get pregnant. So a man touched you and you did not get pregnant. So you knew daddy was lying. So the curiosity was there. That's so why they lied. Your young mind could not process beyond that. So they believe that they lie. So it's not really, it's not, it's not true. He just didn't want me to have fun. If I'm cool Mr. Tayo will say, praise the Lord. Number four, sex outside marriage makes it difficult to end a toxic, abusive, or futureless relationship. Sex outside marriage makes it difficult. For those of us that are single, this is for you. It makes it difficult to end a toxic, abusive, or futureless relationship. The demonstration of wisdom is that when you find yourself in a toxic relationship, you should immediately cut ties and the relationship. Haven't you seen people, you know, in abusive relationship and you are wondering, can't you end the relationship? Of course, everybody knows the individual should end the relationship, but it's very difficult right? because sex has been involved. It's been involved. So a relationship where there is no sex. You see, like I told you earlier, the reason why it was easy for the two of us to end that relationship after four years. And it was not four years of dating because our parents already knew each other. In fact, to know how close we were, right, when she was getting married, it was my immediate elder sister that did that decoration, our planning. It was my eldest sister that did her cake. It was my wife that did her traditional wedding. Aha. Uh-huh. All that was able to happen because things were done right. The mom still calls me. I still talk to her mom. That's why I told her, see, <laughs> praise the Lord. See, the relationship of a believer should be different from the relationship of a non-believer. The difference should be there. Some of us think cannot wrap our mind around the heart. Pastor, you are playing with fire. Hey, there's fire, fire on the mountain. Science tells us that there are fluid and hormonal releases during sex. We all know that. If you are mature enough, you should know that. This fluid and hormonal releases, that is oxytocin, dopamine, and vasopressin. These hormones literally binds you to your partner, making it difficult to break away, even if the relationship is toxic, destructive, and going nowhere. This is science. 
can do a research on these things. Write it down and Google it. So that you know that your pastor is not giving you fairy tales. You know, I'm not one of the pastors that just have a brainwave. I hear something yesterday and I preach it the next day. No. Most people know when a relationship is not going anywhere. They know. Deep within them, they know. But they can't end it. Because the tie has been created. And that's one of the things God is trying to save you from. So the moment you know that, oh, this thing is going nowhere, it makes it easy. That's why we're able to cut a four-year relationship. And everybody was able to go their separate ways. In fact, when she, after, you know, I was not in a relationship then, when she got into another relationship, she would call me. I was like, can't you be, this guy was having for sex, stupid guy. You know, send me the picture of just say, just calm down, calm down. Oxytocin often referred to as cordial hormone is produced in large quantities during sex, breastfeeding, and childbirth. So the kind of connection that exists between a mother and the child, which is almost unbreakable, is the connection that happens when you have sex with someone. Go and check it. You know, I think I'm even actually going to put this in a book because many people need to know these things. It's, not, it's more than, you know, if you have sex, you will die, you will go to hell. No, even before you go to hell, you will have hell on earth. No, it's true. That's why you see a lot of people are helpless. You'll be looking at them, end this relation, they say, I will end it. The two weeks later, when you say that, have you ended it? Eh, actually, oxytocin is speaking. He or she can't do it. These hormones are meant to serve like glues, joining two things and um, put two people together. Unfortunately, you can't stop the hormone from being released or doing its joining work every time you have ability sex. You can't say, no, no, I know it's today. It will do its work because that's the way God organized it. And the reason is to create a bond and a, a strong form of intimacy between the man and his wife that is almost unbreakable. Number five, sex was designed to be the highest physical demonstration of commitment and trust between two people. Sex was designed to be the highest physical demonstration of commitment and trust between two people. Genesis 2.25, the Bible says they were both naked and they were not ashamed. Because they're supposed to be trust. Unfortunately, you see that through premarital sex, a lot of people sleep with people that they cannot even... <laughs> they can't even leave their ATM with a password. You see, when you hear people say things like, all men are the same, all women are the same, they are simply revealing their level of distrust. Most people that have lived a life of sexual, you know, um, indiscipline, often find it hard trusting the opposite sex. You find it very difficult. Once they see their husband talking to you, who is that? Who is that? What are you people saying? Who is that? Because the distrust has been there. Because something tells you, if he did it with me, if she did this with me, she can do it with someone else. I say that premarital sex is often 
premarital sex and extramarital affairs is often character, a proof of character deficiency. Number six, let me skip that. Say sex outside marriage destroys your capacity for recognition and effective reasoning. And you see that happen in the life of Samson. You study the book of um, uh, uh, um, Judges. I think that's chapter 17 there about. I'm not sure. Delilah came to you and said, what is the source of your strength? You lied the first time. You did, she did what you told her. And you were still there. The sex must have been very good. You lied the second time. She carried it out. You are still there. You lied the third time. She carried it out. You are still there. Why? Because this capacity for effective reasoning had been affected. It has been affected. Something just tells him, no, 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 no. It's, it's, nothing can happen. <laughs> you know, sometimes, because of, you know, I do this professionally sometimes, I'm always pained at some of the questions some young ladies ask me. Things that some people go through, I'm like, at your age, you're already dealing with this. Are you not going to be dealing with when you're in your 30s, in your 40s? And everything, everything can be traced back to a life of sexual indiscipline. And you know, it's just that some things you can't say. I can only say it in a church setting. You know, the unfortunate thing, because you came for therapy session, not for deliverance. Some of those questions, when I hear some things that some people are going through, you know, and I can trace it, ah, you know, this, you know, it's because of this, this, I just know that except some of them do something drastical, drastic spiritually, destinies have been truncated permanently. So, life is spiritual, friends. You need to understand that. So, you sleep with a guy that's not a solid Christian. Whose father is probably a Shango worshipper or an idol worshipper. When he was growing up, they made decisions on him. Or, the, you know, the same way we do dedication, naming, ceremony, and all those things. They dedicated him to some deities. So you slept with him. You didn't know, you just think it was just physical heart. You have entered into that covenant. Without knowing. That's why you say that Ruth told Naomi. He said, where you go, I will go. Your gods will be my God. That is covenant. And God's original intention, even though that's very almost impossible, you know, in this, you know, in most cases in this age and time, the first time a man and a woman should have sex is on their wedding night. Which means that there should be a shedding of blood. A covenant should be initiated. That's why marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. So when you cut a covenant, the covenant is not just between people. It's between gods. It's between your God and our God. Or his God and your God, vice versa. So this idea of the man touches you, you get it's more than that, friends. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. That's, that's, that's kindergarten. Number seven, for married people, please understand this. If sex is done rightly, there is no such thing as sexual compatibility. That's one of the lies the devil has told people. And people in the church are beginning to believe in it. 
He said, how do we know we are sexually compatible? You know, that, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we need to try it out before we get married. So we'll know we are sexually incompatible. Let me tell you, compatibility simply means there is alternative. If you've never had a basis of comparison, you will have no understanding of whether you are compatible or not. And that's one of the reasons why there is a lot of problems, sexual problems in marriages. Because if I have done it with 10 people and you have done it with 10 people, you see, there is a likelihood that there will be comparison. Ah, no, that's not how Shade used to do it. Though. Even if you don't say it out, the dissatisfaction will be there. So if it was Dior that gave you real good, you want, you know, you want a measure of Dior in Remy? Do you understand? It's just an unconscious thing. That's why this thing dealing with it, you have to deal with it both spiritual and psychologically. That's why a lot of people, no matter what they go for, the books they read, they may never enjoy sex in their marriage. Some people say, you know, uh, the how, and the unfortunate thing is, it's not, only, it's not even guys that say it again now. Ladies are the ones saying it. Like, how do I know you can satisfy me sexually? You know, so I, let me tell you this. Let me give you this simple analogy. It is only Tokubo used cars that they test drive. You can't go to a Ferrari shop. Huh? Or a Rolls Royce shop. You can't even move near it. They can say, no, let me open it. I will not know if I want to buy it. People that can afford this, they don't say they want to test drive it. They already know what it looks like. In fact, they bring it to their house. That's how they sell Rolls Royce and Ferrari. You know what many people do? Especially, please, ladies, put a value on yourself. You can't want to sell a car now, right? And you are not taking the car. Somebody calls you, hey, I know you want to sell this car. You now drive it to their house. No, it is the people that want to buy the car that will come and check it. The more you drive the car around, the lesser the value. As you are taking yourself around, your value is reducing. Your value to God is the same. Never forget that. But your value to man will keep reducing. There are cars that when they are doing it, they put rope around it. Just observe it. You can't cross that rope. So if they put that much value on a car, you are more valuable than a car. People say, you know, how would you? So how many people do you want to have sex with before you know the one that is compatible with you? Are you suya? They have to be testing you, testing you, testing you. I'm serious. You are worth more than that. Hmm. As I begin a round up this morning. Number eight, sex has to be worked out in marriage. One of the reasons why a lot of couples have problems with their sex life is because some bring the preconceived idea of their expertise into marriage. You know, like I mean, I've, I've slept with six ladies. What is it? This one I can undo her. No, you may have undo them. You have not undo that. You don't understand that she's a different human being. Some people just have that. Some ladies who believe what is it? Oh, I mean that every time I gave it to Chris, he wanted more. What? What, what Chris like? The husband may not like it. So in marriage, sex is actually supposed to be a service to your spouse. It's supposed to be a service to each other. It's not a place where you go to display expertise. No. Hmm. You guys are laughing. Is it funny? Hmm. Thank God for your experience, but it is not needed in marriage. 
Whatever experience you may have had, you put it down and you learn with the new person you are getting married to. That's the only way to be satisfied sexually in marriage. You put away that preconceived, that preconceived idea. Everywhere is quiet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So how do you live a life of sexual purity? Or sexual freedom? How do you do that for singles and married? Number one, flee from the act. Don't pray against it. Mm -mm. Mm. The only solution is to jackpot. You flee. That's the only recommendation the Bible gives. That's why Joseph was not trying to speak to Potiphar's wife that, no, you know, as a child of God, you know, I should not be doing these things. You know, it is wrong. I'm afraid for my destiny. If Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, his dream of being a prime minister would never have seen the light of day. Because you know why? Potiphar's wife would have kept him. You know, they already made him the leader of all the slaves. And he would have thought, ah, maybe this was what God showed me. Many of us don't know the things we are losing as we are engaging in premarital sex. You don't know. And the unfortunate thing, that's why, you know, the Bible says in heaven, God will wipe away tears from the eyes of the saints. Why? You are supposed to be in heaven and be laughing. Because in heaven, many of us will see the things that should have been that never was. See, every time you violate God's standard, you are losing things. Forget about all this woke generation. The woke, woke. See, this it doesn't work. You see, uh, we, are, we are woke, you know. See, See, it's better to be woke with peace in your heart. All of us are saying, we are woke, we are woke. Let me tell you, I'm woke than many of you. I'm woke. <laughs> See, living in sin is not woke. You don't let society redefine things for you. That you know, you know all these, you know, all these pastors. My life is not boring, you know. I believe that if you serve God, if you love God, your life must be boring. My life is more interesting than many people living in sin. Flee from the heart. That's what the Bible recommends. Number two, separate yourself physically and virtually. Mm. If you notice that as a married person, you are beginning to have sexual thoughts and desires towards someone, or as a single, separate yourself. God will not do that for you. You are the only one that can do it for yourself. You must create space, distance. Separate yourself. Separate yourself physically and virtually. Number three, surround yourself with those who have experienced victory in your area of defeat. So they tell you everybody is doing it. It's not true. Everybody is not doing it. Some people are victorious in that area. Surround yourself with people like that. Not people that will be telling you, ah, you know, everybody's doing it. Oh, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's, tie him down. Hmm. If you don't give it to him, he will not marry you. It's better he doesn't marry you. There are, there are 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their nails to bow. That was what God told Elijah. When Elijah said, ah, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Number four, be open and accountable to a trusted party. Because sin only thrives in secret. Sin thrives in secret. And the more you cover it up, the bigger it grows. Don't try to cover up sin. <laughs> because one day it will come out. It's only a matter of time. It will come out. It will come out. 
Be open and accountable to a trusted party. Emphasis on trusted parties. Because some people cannot be trusted. There are even some pastors that cannot be trusted. You tell them what you have done sexually, it will become topic of message the next Sunday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So make sure you are open and accountable to a trusted party. Be accountable to a trusted party. Number five, acknowledge to God that what you have done is wrong. Let me tell you, there are preachers now who they themselves may not know, but they are agents of the devil who are recruiting people for hell. You know how they are doing it? Grace message. Grace message. The grace of God has covered it all. Your past, your present, and your future sin. Wow. So why did Jesus come to save us? From sin. So if Jesus has taken care of your past, present, and future sin, why do you need altar call? So why do you need to live in a same way? Then we all should be all believing anyhow. If I as a pastor, if God has covered my future sin, from here now, I should go to a prostitute's house. Since God has covered it, well, he has covered this, so I can't do anything. Galatians 6 and verse 1. It says, can we continue in sin and say grace should abound? It says, God forbid. Lie, lie. So people today, they are twisting scriptures, known names, popular figures. And many of us are swallowing such poison. A friend of mine, we had a discourse many years ago. Oh, go to, maybe it's chapter 4 and verse 1. I think it's chapter 4 and verse 1, not 6 1. Check it. Chapter 4 and verse 1. You know, we had a discussion. This is well over 10 years ago. You know, we're in his office. And he said, Pastor, you know, I thought about something. I said, what is it? He said, you know, I thought about it one day that what if Kenneth Egan rose from the dead? Archbishop Benson in the Hosea. You know, the fathers of the faith, they rose up from the dead. Hayobabalola, and they come together and say, you know, we apologize. Everything we have taught you is wrong. There is no heaven. He said, what will you do? I thought about it. He said, nothing will change because I know God for myself. The reason why many of us are easily deceived. Somebody says today, grace, grace, the grace of God has covered everything. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Say, grace, grace. The reason why you believe those nonsense is because you don't know God's word for yourself. So even me, if I come tomorrow and I say, you know what? Want to, want to <laughs> you know, look at your neighbor and now want to slap demons out of your neighbor. So as you slap your, is it, that's it, Galatians? Okay, it's Romans, sorry, Romans 6 verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Go to verse 2. Verse 2, what does it say? It says, God forbid. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Which is what happens when you give your life to Christ. You are supposed to be dead to sin. So if you are truly saved, instead of saying grace, grace, the grace of God will cover our past, present, and future sin. Sin will not even, it will lose, you will lose appetite for sin. That's the true meaning of salvation. Not that you are looking for sin and saying grace will cover it. No. So if you are not well taught, if you don't understand, if I say, you know, next week Sunday want to cast out demons, and now we are going to do it is you will slap your neighbor. Because you know, demon is in the mind, is in the head. So as you are slapping the neighbor, the demons will be jumping out. Some people will believe it. Operation slap demon out. Some people will believe it. And there might be scripture for it. Because a lot of people, the, a lot of errors that many have believed in the church is actually from people taking scripture out of context. Because you will see there of a truth it is written there. 
But read the whole chapter. Is that what the Bible is talking about there? We won't do billboard for it. Operation slap the demon out. No demon left behind. Some people will do it. First John 1 and verse 9, that's, that's what the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So, see, if of a truth, uh, grace covers your future sin, why would the Bible say you need to confess it? Why would the Bible say that you need to confess it, that God is faithful, he will now forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness? If grace has covered your future sin, there should be no unrighteousness. There should be nothing like unrighteousness. It should be a thing of the Old Testament. Number next, ask God for mercy. Especially if you've been involved in sex before marriage or, or with multiple partners. One of the things you need to do are, even if you are married, create time. You might need to fast. Ask God for mercy. You know why? When you do things outside of God's boundary, God's ordained standard, the devil has a right to afflict you. He has the right and God can't stop it. But in the place of mercy, that's what the Bible says, it that breaks an edge. An edge is meant to be like a boundary. But through sin, you remove that edge. And the Bible says, it that breaks an edge, the serpent will bite. Serpent represents the devil. It was a serpent that showed up in the Garden of Eden. So if you break the edge, the Bible says the serpent has a right to bite you. But in the place of prayers, you can ask God for mercy. That Father, I have done this, but in your mercy, let the effect be wiped out. You can't just keep living your life and say, Oh, it's in the past. It is not in the past, though. I'm not trying to put fear in your heart, but I'm telling you what it is. Number next, I think this will be the last one I'll talk about because of time. Develop a healthy self esteem. Develop a healthy self esteem. A lot of young people fell into sexual immorality. And premarital sex out of low self-esteem. A lot of people were actually guilt-tripped into it. <laughs> what is a big girl like you? <laughs> but I don't say it out. You've, ne you've never had sex. Don't say it though. Big girl. And you'll be saying big girl, big girl. So you two in the beat to be a big girl. You know, have a good self-esteem. You see, let me tell you this. That's what the Bible says, my son. If sinners entice you, it says, consent thou not. Don't feel doing God's things God's way that you are missing out. You are not. I have some friends that are not really saved. And then I say, Pastor, I say, you, are, you are the one missing. You know? <laughs> Good self esteem. Some of them will even come, when they are running into trouble, they come and meet. Pastor, Pastor, I feel. Uh, so now, which better position? The bee said I'm missing before. Why are you now coming to me? So, so as you are now, as a man, he owes you. You have never slept with a girl. Ah! He owes you. How old are you? 25. I'm past on town. Don't say it. I was like, you, you have never. So you two, you now feel look like, ah! I want to date a girl now. She now asks me. Ah, I will now say I have not. Ah! Let me, let me just, let me, let me break that record. What nonsense record are you breaking? You may break your destiny alongside. Dr. Phil McGraw was the one who said there's a cultural presumption that couples are having sex all the time. He said that people are embarrassed if they are not. The fact is sex is like golf. More people talk about it than do it. 
Some of them even tell you they're running their mouth. Some of them have not even done it. But you know, to feel the cultural thing, like, oh, we are all woke. Some is what they saw in movies that they are telling you. So they will lead you wrong while their own life is on the right path. The British Magazine commissioned the National Sex and Relationship Survey and found that sex for married women is just as good as it is for men. Among the findings, after 14 years of marriage, 63% of women still fancy their husband just as much as when they first met. Almost two-thirds of all married women, that is 64%, said that the best sex they've ever had is within marriage. According to Juliet Kilo, former editor of Topi Santi, that's the name of the British health magazine, he said this survey turns on its head the idea that best sex is when we are footloose, fancy free and single. The truth is, truly great sex and deep intimacy are most likely to happen within the trusting, committed environment of marriage. Unfortunately, this isn't what is depicted in film or on TV. A senior researcher with the National Institute of Health summed it up this way. Couples not involved before marriage and faithful during marriage are more satisfied with their current sex life and also with their marriages compared to those who were involved sexually before marriage. This morning I want us to talk to God. I want you to bow down your heads and begin to talk to God. For some of us, we might just need to ask God for mercy. And... Um, we need to understand that what we do with our bodies matter to God. The way God ordained sex, you are not supposed to give yourself pleasure. It's supposed to come, the pleasure, that sexual pleasure is supposed to happen between you and the opposite sex. The opposite sex. Because in this age and time, we need to emphasize that. Not during sex, but sex with the opposite sex. Right? So, is masturbation sex? Well, it depends on how you want to explain things. So if it isn't wrong, it's actually wrong from what I just explained. Because it doesn't glorify God. Right? It doesn't, and the thing is, masturbation can become an addiction. And when it becomes an addiction where you eventually get married, it will affect your sex life. So there is nothing about it that is right. So if someone is dealing with that this morning... You might need to either go for professional help or you might pray about it and ask God for his help. Right? So it's a form of addiction that needs to be, you know, dealt with. Is it wrong when you help a guy know what his temperaments are? Of course not. It's not wrong. But what's the intention of making him to know? So that he can know you are a suitable choice for him. You need to clarify your motive. What do you advise when a lady and a guy who are friends already, but are already, but already have feelings for each other? Also, the lady in question already has a time frame of when she wants to start dating again. I don't understand this question. This question is not stated. What do you advise when a lady and guy who are friends already, but already have feelings for each other? Yeah, they are both not in a relationship and they like each other, and they feel their destiny match. Oh, go ahead. So, if she has a time frame, um, does their time frame match? You know, that's why I always counsel young ladies. If a guy says, will you marry me? Before you get over excited, the next thing you should ask is when. They'll say, will you marry me? When? Before you put the ring. Because this plan may be in 10 years time. 
You've not seen people that have been in a relationship for nine years. Enough time to get BSc, MSc, and PhD. And so you're actually in a college. You are not in a relationship. And so you might need to find out what the time frame is if it will work for you. So how can Christians protect themselves from sex stimulating content and on social media and suggestive outfits of ladies in church and outside church? This war is getting stronger. Help us out. It's actually becoming an eyesore, you know. It's becoming an eyesore. That's why for us as a church, you know, um, we don't believe in exposive dressing. You know, if you are a member, you know, I don't have any problem. Of course, the church is the house of God. Everybody is welcome. But as a worker, either inside or outside church, I always assume people don't know. So when I see it, I address it. But if I address it first time, second time, third time, and you are still doing it, you step down from the workforce. It simply means for you, that's the way you want to live your life. And if you don't live a life that glorifies God, you cannot be a worker in our own church. It's not that we don't hate you. You love God. You say, oh, it's between you and God. It can, that can be between you and God. But it cannot be, we, can't, we cannot be involved in that. Because we are actually leading people to hell. You know, when I was growing up, we knew the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Today, you, you can't even, you, you can't differentiate between a believer and non-believer. And it's so unfortunate. And I think I mentioned that earlier when I was starting out. And the reason is because the church left that industry. And we felt, no, you know, everybody should just be pastors. I don't believe, you know, that all the leaders one day they should be pastors. They can be pastors, but they should still have their own work. If they are not called into full-time ministry. You know, there is this mindset that once somebody becomes committed in church and they are serving, when they get to a level, they just become pastor. Where is that in the Bible? You know, pastoring is a call. It's not an appointment. It's a call. So if someone is going to do it, they have to be called for it. Now, you can be a pastor through service in the sense that as a senior pastor of this house, I can appoint pastors. But that does not mean that the, individual who have, the individuals who have been appointed have a unique calling. The reason why a lot of ministries crash when they live where they were once pastors is because they were pastors under somebody that had a unique calling, but they were not called separately. So they think because I tried under this man, I can try it anywhere, and it never works. If somebody gets what I'm saying, right? So it's one of the mistakes the church has made. We left industries to the devil. If believe no, as a Christian, we should all you know go and win the lost. You can win the lost uh, as a doctor. There are doors that we open to nations, doors of nations, that we open to an engineer, open to an accountant, open to an IT professional that will not open to me. Except I go as a consultant. Do you understand? Which I am anyway. So that's why sometimes I go to some places, I don't even say I'm pastor. You will not even see anything pastor on my social media. Is if you see my post, oh, so this guy is a pastor. Because pastoring is easy. Don't you like your pastor? How can a married man deal with a partner that doesn't like sex but the man enjoys sex well? I don't understand. He doesn't like sex. I don't How can a married man deal with a partner that does not like sex but the man enjoys Okay, is the woman that does not like sex? Is the woman having a spiritual husband secretly? <laughs> How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> see see there might be some reasons why some partners don't like sex it might not be spiritual husband it might be that the man is selfish with the sex 
He only does it. That's why I said sex in marriage must be worked out. It might be one of the people I mentioned earlier that came with expertise and experience. So he's only going into it to satisfy himself. In marriage, you are going to satisfy each other. It is selfish. You are only the one enjoying yourself, enjoying yourself. No, there might be times that the purpose of that sex is it okay to say this? We have more singles here. You know, there might be times, right, that you only have sex to satisfy your wife. And there may be times you satisfy the husband. It's not all the time just him, him, you, you as a man. What's wrong now? Praise the Lord. So how can you deal with a partner having a spiritual husband or wife? I'll recommend you to talk to someone. Right? If, um, go to YouTube and search for Fikayo Adeyinka, a very good friend of mine. She has dealt with something like this. I've even told that story before. So it's not something that I'm saying that she doesn't want anybody to know. For the first 28 years of her life, no man, not even a rascal on the road, said, not even a rascal. Not even a boy's conductor until she was delivered from it. It's not my area of expertise, so I can't help you. Right, but I can recommend you because I know she dealt. It's not people that will tell you, you know, bring um, I don't know, bring um, 12 yards of lace, you know, you know, by the word, by the word. And she has written a book while waiting and she told, you know, um, she explained that experience. So I think you should get the book, you should see it on Amazon. If that person really is interested, go and buy the book while waiting. Fikayo Adeyinka. All right, first, I like to say that this October series has been so mind blowing. Praise God. Well, my question isn't on sex. Please, I just want you to address this. If I have a partner in whose place we only watch what he wants to watch for leisure. Who says he needs a woman who doesn't see a big who doesn't see a big deal in kneeling to serve her husband? Keep saying you are alpha female. He gets that nobody can take you for another. Blah blah blah. What I think is is intimidated always talking about women never be equal with men even when that's not what the conversation is about i really don't understand the question i really don't get the question so maybe the guys the uh, you know there are some men that are patriarchal in their mindset and some of these things as a result of the models dial can i have the binder you know so some people is actually as a result of you know um how they grew up so if you are single there is hope so if you are single talk about these things if you realize it's not changing please talk to your leg <laughs> 